Have you ever sat through a Relief Society lesson, heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you, then wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear parts of some prominent talks given by women throughout the history of the church. Hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to see how their experiences can apply to you. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and today we have with us Jenny Reeder, who's a 19th century women's historian with the Church History Department. Hi, Jenny. Hi. And we have Katie Perez, and Katie is a stay-at-home mom of two, and she's read the discourses in At the Pulpit, which we'll be discussing, and she's just ready with her questions and experiences. So thank you so much for joining us, Katie. Thanks. So today... I'm really excited about this. We're talking about chapter one of At the Pulpit, and this is a discourse given by Lucy Mack Smith, and it's titled, Where's Your Confidence in God? And this was given in 1831, so almost 200 years ago, which is so long ago. (laughs) So I'm so glad we have such a great record of this. But first, before we get into this address that she gives, let's talk about Lucy. So Jenny, tell us about Lucy. Lucy was an incredible woman. She was religious and spiritual, and she was practical, and she was feisty. And I think that's what I love about her. She grew up in a home where her mother was also very religious. Her father was often not there, so her mother kind of ran the home. And in a way, Lucy had the same experience when she became a mother. She was often left to fend for herself and take care of her family while her husband was away trying new new possibilities, trying new things, new farming techniques, stuff like that. But she was very, very interested in making sure that her children, as her son William said, got religion. So they were a, a religious family. They looked for the for churches to join. They read the scriptures, and I think that's the most important part. I love that about Lucy. She knew the scriptures. She knew the Bible. And then when the Book of Mormon was made available to her, she knew the Book of Mormon. That's amazing because I don't think I always knew how instrumental she was in the events leading up to the restoration of the gospel. I mean, being Joseph Smith's mother and then – during all of that time. Uh, You mentioned what William said about she made sure her children got religion. I just love that he said she did everything that she could as a parent. And so that makes me feel like, oh, maybe I should. Well, no, I definitely should be doing a lot more as a parent, but I just thought that was neat. So where does this account come from? This account comes from a history that Lucy wrote in 1845. She writes this history that we know today as the history of the prophet Joseph Smith by his mother. And it's a very influential history that we have always drawn on as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It has formulated so much of our understanding of the Restoration. And it's interesting, though, because once you look closely at it, you have to take into account the time in which it was written and the person who wrote it. There's no such thing as a completely objective history. And Lucy wrote this in 1845, a year after she had lost her sons Joseph and Hiram and then Samuel. She had also lost Don Carlos and her husband, Joseph Smith Sr. and Alvin. Um, And she'd been through all the persecutions in Missouri. And she, at this point, was old and worried about where things would go for her and 
she was in deep grief. So a lot of her history was written from that perspective. And once we can understand that, we can understand how real these things were for her and how important the restoration of the church was for her. So this talk was a a part of that history. So she's looking back and writing about it several years after it happened. Do we have accounts from other people who were there? Not that I can find, but I would love to find them. (laughs) Okay. So let's set the scene uh, for this discourse. So where is she? Where does she start out? Let's talk about that. Okay, let's set up the story. (laughs) In early 1831, actually, maybe it was 1830, Joseph received a revelation from the Lord asking all the Latter-day Saints to come to the Ohio. So Joseph and Emma left in early winter, and uh, Lucy and other members of the church in New York decided to wait until the spring to come to Ohio. It was much easier to travel by the waterways than by overland, by road. And so they had to wait until the water thawed. So they left, their group left Fayette in uh, May of 1831. And there was another group from Colesville that left a week or so earlier than they did. But they had lots of troubles along the way. Some people hadn't brought enough supplies and there were a lot of kids. There wasn't enough food. Uh, they had technical difficulties. Meanwhile, kids were running wild and rambunctious. Um, no way. Kids did that back then? <laughs> I know, right? And they, they didn't have as much food as they wanted. So Lucy actually had, uh, was the leader of the, of the group. And was that unusual for a, wim- a woman to be leading a group of this many people. Yes, very unusual. In fact, they had um, Solomon Humphreys, who was the oldest member of the church at that time, and also Hiram Page, who was one of the eight witnesses of the Book of Mormon, were both in this group. But they didn't want to lead. Yeah, why didn't they want to lead it? That's what I was wondering. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is I don't know if it was an act of, of deference to what, who they called Mother Smith, mm-hmm. or if they just recognized that this was kind of a, an impossible, <laughs> ridiculous situation and they didn't want to be responsible. I'm not sure. <laughs> but they, but she did take the leadership role and they called her Mother Smith. So why were they so confident in her leadership? I think because she was outspoken, because she did have this connection to Joseph Smith, and because she knew her scriptures she, and she wasn't afraid to, to speak up. I feel like she totally did act as a mother because I feel like, you know, it talks about how she she gave them food, she provided lodging, all these different things. But then at the same time, she could kind of put them in their place, too, and rebuke them when they needed it. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think the name is fitting. I like that. Yeah, I do, too. And I can totally see her as this little old lady, feisty little old lady, <laughs> but who knew her place. Mm-hmm. Right. When they got to Buffalo Harbor, she so the saints that had left before you mentioned the Colesville saints, they were already there and they were just uh, weren't they like, don't tell people that you're that you're Mormon because, you know, they, they'll mistreat you or whatever. And so one of the first things that she did, I feel like, was get up on the ship and testify <laughs> to all of the onlookers. What was that like? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love this about her. So they arrived at Buffalo Harbor to get to cross the, um, Lake Erie. And the harbor was frozen over. It was May, but it was cold that winter. And this group from Colesville had been there about a week. And I can imagine how grouchy they 
were. I would have been grouchy as well. <laughs> they warned her that there were people in the in the town that weren't friendly to Latter-day Saints. So they said, don't talk about the Book of Mormon. And she was standing up on the ship and someone down below from the ground said, hey, what's the deal with the Book of Mormon? And so she just told the truth. She just wasn't afraid to say what the Book of Mormon was and what it was about. That's amazing, especially considering the audience and the circumstances. Right. But so also you you mentioned just kind of the issues that they were having. They were very frustrated. The kids were, the kids were being crazy. And she was kind of embarrassed because here she had just testified of the Book of Mormon. And she was basically telling the saints that she didn't want their behavior to, you know, reflect on the things that she just spoke about. So I want you to listen to this quote. This is what she told them. We call ourselves Latter-day Saints and profess to have come out from among the world for the purpose of serving God with a determination to serve him with our whole might, mind, and strength at the expense of all earthly things. And will you suffer yourselves to begin at the very first sacrifice of comfort to complain and murmur like the children of Israel? And even worse, for here are my sisters fretting for the want of their rocking chairs. And so I, <laughs> I kind of just could relate to that because you would be so frustrated and so uncomfortable and so cold. But then there were men complaining about leaving their homes and being worried about not having a home in Kirtland. And I'm just like, okay, that's a little different than the comfort of a rocking chair. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's legit. I mean, they had left everything behind and they had to do so quickly. So I'm sure they didn't get full market value for their Mm -hmm. property and homes. And I'm sure they didn't bring their rocking chairs with them on these, these canal boats and on the steamship. So maybe they didn't even have anywhere to sit down. I don't know. But the way we read it now, it sounds kind of silly. Like, you just want to sit in your rocking chairs Mm -hmm. on the porch. So with that, she said, where is your faith? Where is your confidence in God? Do you know that all things are in his hands? He made all things and still rules over them. And how easy a thing it would be with God if every saint here would just lift their desires to him in prayer that the way might be opened before us. And so here she's talking, the way before us is the ice that's blocking the ship. So she says, how easy would it be for God to cause the ice to break away? And in a moment's time, we could be off on our journey. But how can you expect the Lord to prosper when you are continually murmuring against him? So then what happened? (laughs) So there's two things that I want to say about this. First is that she has read the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And she talks about how the Lord delivered Moses and his people and how he provided a way for them. And then she talks about how the Lord provided a way for Lehi and his family when it seemed impossible. So she knows what the Lord can do. She has seen it. She has read it. She knows her history. So she is then calling, she's saying that the Lord doesn't change, that he is a God, an unchangeable God. And if we are his people, then he will also provide a way for us. So she, she calls upon them to raise their faith all at once, which I think would have been such an exciting thing to be a part mm-hmm. of, to really say, okay, I believe with all of these other people that I've been traveling with, I believe and I know. And at that very moment, it says that the ice cracked. There was a huge sound. It sounded like thunder, and the ice cracked. And the the ice parted enough for one boat to go through, and it was their boat. And so they were able to travel across Lake Erie to do we, Ohio. Do we know like how the people there responded to that? 
No, we don't. I, I like to imagine that yeah. it was this really dramatic thing and it was in the newspaper and people <laughs> told their grandchildren about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She does say that the crew kind of scrambled to get going because they were thinking, you know, this is our chance. And so I, yeah, I wonder what the people thought and maybe for the people who didn't hear what was happening, like maybe they didn't hear her talking to the saints and saying, you know, lift up your voices to God. And maybe they didn't think anything of it like, oh, wow, the ice cracked. But for us, what a great display of right. Faith. Not only faith, but just united faith yeah. and united prayer and being in this together and recognizing that God has provided a way for us. So I've briefly heard this story every once in a while, but I haven't heard it with so much context. And so as we've read it in at the pulpit, and it has um, given a little bit more background about Lucy, how does this inspire us and relate to us today? I think there's a lot of ways that we can look at it today. I think partly we recognize that this is an example. Like I said before, she knew her scriptures. It happens in the Old Testament. It happens in the Book of Mormon. It happens in 1831. And if it happens all those times, it can happen for us today in the 21st century, that God can make a way for us out of our impossible situations, and that we can raise our faith and know that He is there and will make a way for us. So what happens to Lucy for the rest of her life? Oh, Lucy. Well, she um, is such a strong figure and stays with the church. She she goes through all the persecutions in Missouri and in Nauvoo. She loses, like I said, many of her family members. She joins the Nauvoo Relief Society. And she's the one that says that famous line that's often quoted from the Nauvoo Relief Society, let us cherish one another so that we all may sit down in heaven together. After the the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram, the church really rallied together to take care of her. They really did consider her the first mother, Mother Smith, and they would look in on her. Wilford Woodruff talks about going to give her blessings. Uh, Sarah Kimball talks about visiting her. Um, And she also would go out and speak at sort of cottage meetings, and she was the first woman to speak at General Conference in October of 1845. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah, and she, like I said, she compiled this history of the church that while it isn't 100% accurate, it, it, it shows this fervor and this emotion and this love. And it also contains details that we don't find anywhere else, like the Joseph Smith's leg surgery when mm-hmm. he was young. And it's from a mother's perspective, but also a very faithful member of the yes. church's perspective, which Absolutely. is amazing. So why do you think this address was included in At the Pulpit. This is one of my favorite addresses in At the Pulpit, and it is our first address. It's the earliest one that we could find record of. And yes, that record was made several years later, but it it recounts an event that happened in 1831. We wanted to include talks that showed that women were active and that they spoke up and spoke out, as President Nelson has asked us, that they expounded the scriptures and exhorted the church, like the Lord tells Emma in 1830 in section 25, and also that they contributed to the restoration, that they were significant leaders and they knew their scriptures and they knew the doctrine. Katie, what does this do for you in your life, just knowing that there were these strong and faithful women that we now have record of? I feel like it makes me want to be more like them. I admired her strength and her courage and her faith throughout everything. I, I loved learning about her. 
Thank you so much, Katie and Jenny, for providing your thoughts and insights, especially about this talk as we learned a little bit more about Lucy Max Smith and her experience. And thank you so much to our listeners. We hope you're reading along with these discourses and at the pulpit. It's available on your Gospel Library app and also at churchhistorianspress.org. Thank you again. I'm your host, Shailen Beck.